Hey gang, it's Mark Joyner of the No Wristbands crew to talk to you about this month's guest, Peter Gill of Second Grade. He sits down to join us to talk about his busy year. He's put out two of our favorite records this year with Second Grade's Easy Listening as well as Friendships Love the Stranger. Peter is a great hang. He talked to us about his affinity for power pop, his learnings from friendship and how they help him be a better leader in second grade, and the creative burst of energy he's currently experiencing. Please make sure you check out Second Grade's new album, Easy Listening, and we hope to see you at their sold-out show with Slaughter Beach Dog at the Empty Bottle on November 15th, and or their show at Space in Evanston on the 16th. As always, please feel free to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at No Wristbands, and follow our new Facebook page, No Wristbands We Drink for Free, and check out our website, NoWristbands.com, and read our bi-monthly music blog, Dig In. Alrighty, hello uh, to our No Wristbands fans out there. It is Mark Joyner with Papa Novak, of course, and we are lucky enough to sit down and get a chance to talk with Peter Gill of Second Grade today. How you doing, Peter? Hey, I'm doing good, guys. How are you all doing? Living the dream, exactly. Nice. Uh, nice. It's a it's a rainy day in Chicago, so uh, you know we're get we're getting through it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, we had uh, the last like four days were pretty rainy here from like the hurricane and stuff. So yeah, yikes. Uh, well, hopefully seeing the other side of that soon enough. Uh, first of all, are you go by Peter or Pete? What should we be calling you today? Uh, let's go go Peter. Peter. Let's go Peter tonight. Yeah. Very formal. Okay. We'll build up to Pete. Maybe. Uh, (laughs) Uh, so second grade, uh, just put out a new album easy listening um really really fantastic record i i've listened to it way too many times already in the past week uh how how easily did that all come together for you guys uh well first of all thanks so much for the kind words and for listening to it at all um yeah it's been really exciting to have it finally out um it's been a long time in the making these songs i probably wrote two and a half years ago at this point. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything got recorded last September. So uh, we've just had these recordings for a year now and I've just been waiting to put it out because of, you know, it takes so long to manufacture vinyl these days. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just been a lot of waiting and you can probably imagine I'm so stoked to finally be sharing yeah. this uh, with the world. Do you did like your uh, interpretation of these songs or like your feeling about these songs change from the time you recorded it to the time it came out or any of them like, oh, I really like to touch that up, but it's too late now. (laughs) Uh, Fortunately, I haven't had that feeling yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, good. Um, So let's backtrack a little bit. You're originally from the suburbs of Portland, Maine. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and now you live in Philly. Uh, at what point were you like, hey, I want music to be my thing. Like, I want to be a musician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an awesome question. Um, Thank you. Tr- trying to pinpoint like when that feeling became clear. Uh, no, there wasn't like a, a clear moment, like a specific point in time where I decided that. Uh I've kind of always played music like my whole life. Um, Mm -hmm. I've always been in bands and all that stuff. And uh, I moved to Philly probably like eight years ago now 
with this other band I play in called Friendship. Yeah, and Friendship. probably when we made that move, that that felt pretty serious because we were moving here, like for the express purpose of being in a band and playing shows like up and down the East Coast. Philly yeah. is like a great home base for that. It sure so is. yeah, I'd say like moving to Philly was really a moment where I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this for real. <laughs> uh, was that like, everyone's like, fuck yeah, we're going for it. Or did anybody have to be talked into it? You don't have to name uh, names. <laughs> no, I think everyone was really excited. Um, our drummer actually, he was like really thrilled about it, but he also almost took a completely different life path. Like he was, I think he was going to move to like Costa Rica or something. It's so long ago, I can't really recall the details. <laughs> and like at the last second, uh, it turned out he wasn't doing that and came with us. So um, that was like, but no, he was really excited to do it too. Yeah, it was very much like a mutual, let's move to Philly and yeah. pursue this band for real kind of thing. Uh, well, what was the uh, what was the music that was inspiring you on the on the, on you know on your way up uh, you know when you were younger? Yeah, so like my first real interest in music was the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Like when nice. those those movies came out, and I had just like read the book. I was like a little kid or something, and yeah, I got really into those soundtracks, and then. Then I discovered Led Zeppelin, which is like a pretty natural <laughs> uh, course, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got I was so into like Led Zeppelin, ACDC, pretty much all the classic rock stuff that you would hear on the radio. And I listened to classic rock radio quite a bit growing up. And then maybe in high school, I started getting into like uh, more like modern music like 90s stuff at that point. Mm -hmm, sure. um, and then the big thing for me was going off to college and being on the college radio station. I had a show nice. for like three and a half years. And what was uh, the name of it? It changed quite a bit. I think the first okay. one was called Gold Sounds. Um, oh, the pavement song. Like the pavement song. And it's funny, <laughs> I think every college radio station across the country has at least one show called gold sounds <laughs> is I've seen, I've come across it. other ones. Yeah. It's pretty much like low hanging fruit as far as uh, <laughs> show names go. Um, and yeah, being on the radio station was, that was really like my music education. Like that was me really getting caught up with uh, so much, so many areas of music that had been completely foreign to me, like learning about indie rock, mm -hmm. learning about, the history of indie rock and punk and also like paying attention to like new stuff that was coming out at the time. I'm trying to recall what was big. This was like 2010 ish. Yeah. I guess like animal collective. Yeah. I was going to say was really huge. Dirty projectors was big for mm -hmm. me. Um, I was just, yeah. Like basically any new record that came into the radio station, I was just devouring. Mm -hmm. Um, was was working there a good way to to be meeting other people uh, that were into music too? Oh, a hundred percent, yeah. Um, and meeting other people was really like that's where I learned a whole lot about music. Mm -hmm. um, specifically, um, my friend Alex, who lives in Philly now, uh, he was like a year above me, 
and he was kind of like my mentor at the station and he showed me he introduced me to a lot of really cool stuff he would take me to shows that i'd never heard the music before like uh he took me to yola tango when i mm-hmm, i had nice. never heard them and so seeing them live was like my introduction and it changed my life uh we saw uh, yeah it, yeah i'd say it changed my life what um, what kind of yola tango show was it they were like either like really rocking or they're very contemplative which one did you get so i got a 50 50 one okay. uh, it was, <laughs> all right so it was when they were doing this tour they've done it a few times where like they have this uh, roulette wheel oh, okay. behind them yeah, on yeah. stage. Yeah, and it has different types of sets listed. Like, we're going to play Rolling Stones covers, or we're going to play <laughs> um, th- like this type of thing. One of them was like, we're going to act out a whole episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> and I guess... The Fingers night crossed before- on that one. Yeah, right. Because the night before I saw them, I think it was like New York City. Um, they got stuck with the Seinfeld episode <laughs> and people were apparently like really getting impatient because they committed to the whole bit, like did oh the whole my episode. God, that's amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so the one that it landed on for our show was, um, I guess Yola Tango had done a soundtrack for an underwater, um, like marine life documentary. Uh, and they put out this album called the sounds of the sounds of science, uh, which is like, yeah, it's like super aquatic, underwater, like um, bubbly sort of ambient stuff. Um, no vocals or anything. Um, pretty like meditative. And so that was like my first introduction. And I was like, this is kind of cool, but I don't, I don't really see what's the big deal about this band. And then the second half of the set is them just playing every song that you would want them to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, the mind-blowing part uh i remember they did like this 20-minute version of um that song i heard you looking ah such a good song yeah and that was like the one that really did it for me yeah that's that's interesting because like not that you would have to go from point a to point b and be like oh i love yola tango my music is gonna sound like them but you they're like you know elongating songs and you're shortening them i love that dichotomy (laughs) yeah yeah i didn't think about that that's it's true but i think we're both uh there's a similarity of just like dissecting pop music history yeah a little bit absolutely like that's something that i kind of learned from them um i i love uh i'm a self-admitted like real big fan of yours and i means a lot to have you on and i know i've been like awkwardly being like hey you want to come on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for like uh, two years now. So thank you for that. But what I really liked is I, I, I don't remember what I read it in, but like this idea that you, you were talking about, about like stripping songs of like any excess and it being this idea of like, how do I get to like the chorus as fast as I can? And like, uh, you know, just getting to the hit and just like getting in, getting out as fast as possible. Um, was that something that like you naturally arrived at or like, you started writing songs and you're like, I can't make a five minute song, but I can make an amazing minute and a half song. <laughs> yeah. That the way you just described it sounds pretty accurate. Um, <laughs> it kind of happened by accident. Like, in fact, I kind of wanted to write longer songs. Um, mm-hmm. In college, I was really into red house painters. Yeah. Um, and they would have songs that are like eight or nine minutes. And 
I'd be Sometimes listening that's when to it the, just starts starts getting going, right? That's when the song starts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's some that are like 13, I think. Yeah, 16, uh, 17 minutes. Like epics, yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, I would listen to that stuff and think like, why the hell can't I write something this long? Like, I can't. I just can't do it. Um, I was stuck writing these like short little pop tunes, uh, and yeah. So for a while, that was something that i like uh i wasn't into it and but it just kept happening uh (laughs) and then i found ways to really be into it and my music tastes changed and suddenly it became not a liability but like a huge asset in my mind yeah yeah yeah, absolutely um when did you decide like hey i i I have enough of these like cool songs of my own i want to these don't fit for friendship i want to like do my own thing yeah i guess that would have been 20 2018 uh i had 13 i guess i had 13 songs that i felt were like ready to go um and i demoed them just over like a single weekend just playing every instrument um with no, there was no express purpose of making an album or really doing anything with these recordings besides just the joyful act of recording them. And then after I did that, I showed it to a couple friends and everyone was just telling me, you got to put this out. You got to mm-hmm. put it out. And was this Wish so You I, Were Here Tour? And yeah, this was Wish You Were Here yeah. Tour. And Great so album. I had, oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, and there was enough people saying like, you got to put this out that we threw it up on Bandcamp and this like little local, my friend's tape label called sleeper records, uh, did a small run of tapes for that. Um, and that, was from it? that point on, it was like, let's make albums, you know, let's yeah. put out music. Mm-hmm. Was it nerve wracking showing these, these like, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to use the term fragile to be like, uh, like these are, hard on the sleeve songs but like fragile in the sense of like short songs like just you putting stuff out for yourself like was there any nervousness showing that to people or were you like i feel established enough in with myself and the music i make like i'm okay if people like this or don't it was so nerve-wracking um <laughs> yeah and it's I like amazing it's amazing to like look back at where i was in my mindset and mm-hmm. just think of like how nervous i was to show it to someone, even just like a close friend, what, what are they going to think of this? Um, yeah. And even like, I remember our very first show that we played, it was my first time fronting a band ever singing in front of people like that. And this was 2018 for the release of that album. And I was so nervous that, um, we were playing in a basement of this house venue and there was like a stone pillar that was like right behind me. And I was so nervous <laughs> that I like couldn't stand up straight. I like needed to lean on the pillar for support. <laughs> and I just totally blacked out the whole set. That's what after, it's there for. That's what it was there for. Yeah. yeah. And then after the set, my friend came up to me and was like, yo, you guys were sick. And the way that you were like leaning against that pillar. So like nonchalantly, 
Like, dude, you're a natural. <laughs> and that was the impetus to make you a front man, right? Now you don't even play guitar in the band. And now I don't even play guitar. I've come a long way. <laughs> I've gained a lot of confidence um, oh, love that. over the years. And I still feel like I'm feeling better and better about this, like, every day. So, um, so uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, uh, no. That was it. Yeah. Okay. Trail, completed trail thought. Lot. Yeah. <laughs> so wish you were here tour. You guys re-release it, re-record it. Do you consider that like uh, a reconception of a past work? Or do you think of that as like its own standalone piece? Like is hit to hit now your first album and wish you were here tour is the second or how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's pretty confusing. Um, <laughs> here, I'll, I'll set the record straight once okay. and for all. Here we go. <laughs> Listen up. Wish You Were Here Tour is record number one. Hit okay. to Hit is the sophomore release. Okay. And then Wish You Were Here Tour Revisited is just like the deluxe expanded edition of the okay. debut. So like gotcha. 1.5 almost? The 1.5, sure. Okay. <laughs> and then Easy Listening is now officially three. It's number three. Okay. No question about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, so... I, and I apologize if you maybe you said this and I, I haven't read it anywhere, but is so wish you were here tour is, is like a, you know, self-release. Like you did all that on your own it, and now you have bandmates. Like, is it a collaborative full fledged band or is it like you bring stuff to them and being like, Hey, let's, let's work this out. But like, this is what the vision of this is going to be like, or does it fall somewhere in between that? Uh, it falls somewhere in between and it's changing every day. Uh, the general uh, progression has been that e- each time I show new songs to the band, I'm a little less hands-on mm-hmm. about like okay. explaining my, the final vision or like how people's parts should go. So yeah, like the first batch of songs I showed them probably for hit to hit. Uh, I think I was pretty clear about like what they should be playing and mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, yeah, more recently, I try not to like flesh out the whole song while I'm writing it. Like I'll write the melodies and the lyrics and stuff and have a general sense of the arrangement, but I try to leave it at that. Um, So it's like very open-ended at the time that I bring it to band practice. And uh, so it's, yeah, it's getting more and more collaborative. And my goal is for that to like keep happening uh, even further in the direction of full collaboration. Sure. Um, my dream like- for a while has been to like have other people in the band contribute songs to like for them to write the songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause like everyone in the band is actually an awesome songwriter uh, in their own projects and stuff. And um, I just love the idea of everyone like contributing uh, like the Beatles or the beach boys or, like Bell and Sebastian later on or whatever. Um, just full collab. Yeah. You you want the band to become more of a band. Yeah. Yeah. I want it to be more and more of a band if possible. Mm-hmm. But also there's challenges to that. Um, like it's a lot easier to get stuff done if there's one person who mm-hmm. is in charge. Um, when it's more nebulous, logistically, it's just kind of challenging. So it's, we're working on it. You know, it's a work in progress. 
uh have any of the songs like you've brought as like a loose conception have they taken on a, a different life entirely than what you had envisioned when you sat down with the band to go through it it uh as far as like a complete reinvention of an idea it doesn't happen too often usually we're kind of on the same page um but it, it happens at times uh i think a cool example is uh on wish you were here tour there's a song called as long as we can talk about it mm-hmm. and my demo like my original version of it uh which is reflective of like how i conceived the song it's really fast um i thought of it as like an elvis costello kind of just like fast power pop song uh something like along the lines of um angels want to wear my red shoes or something like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when the band got their hands on it they wanted to slow it down they were picturing <laughs> like teenage fan club kind of mid-tempo sure uh and i was really skeptical and i was like i don't know about that but we tried it and it was instantly instantly like my favorite way to play it <laughs> and so we re-recorded it that way and that's like the new version of that song as long as we can talk about it and so yeah that that was like a pretty cool reinvention which it's so awesome when that happens as a songwriter because like yeah it reminds you that you don't always have to be in charge you don't always have to Mm -hmm. micromanage things like really beautiful stuff happens if you just step back and um let other forces work on your vision is is that kind of like how friendship is or is friendship more driven by one person than, than maybe the others? Uh, friendship is pretty driven by the front guy, Dan. Okay. I'd say, but, uh, it's a similar process where he'll like, he'll pretty much write a song front to back, uh, and he'll demo it on just on an acoustic guitar generally. And then he'll bring it to band practice and, sometimes he'll have like loose directions about um stylistically how he imagines it but other times i'd say generally it's like pretty open-ended and we rather than just sitting down and like talking about what we're going to do we just try a lot of different approaches Mm -hmm. um and we just play it a ton and you start to figure out your part you start to figure out what kind of vibe is working for it and by the time we're done with it Dan has testified that like the final version usually has nothing to do with like <laughs> how he envisioned it to begin with. Sure. And he, he always tells us that the final version is better than what he had in mind. I don't know if he's just being nice. <laughs> yeah. That's a, <laughs> but, that's a good leader. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, it I seems, mean, I, I, it, it seems like it, it's uh it would be beneficial for you to kind of it, have that experience of being on both sides, you know, being the leader of second grade, but being the guy on the other side with friendship. Oh, totally. Yeah. I've like, I've learned so much mm-hmm. being a side man to like mm-hmm. a different songwriter. Yeah. Uh, I've played with like a bunch of other songwriters too. And I've always, you know, you're always picking up like so much knowledge uh, and skills and just like ways of going about things. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I have to imagine like 
when when Dan brings you alive twice and you guys just kind of improvise and tear the song apart and rebuild it, that had to have been like, well, it wouldn't have been what I thought it was going to be, but that's bad. <laughs> yeah, that one in particular was pretty nuts uh, recording that because like, uh, I'm not sure like if you've read about like how we came up with that or I don't know if the info's out there. Basically, Dan like had the bearer sketch of the song and he recorded his voice and a single keyboard. And then his mm-hmm. instruction was to me, Mike and John, the other three members. Uh, he had us all three together go into um, the big studio room and sit down at different keyboard instruments and just like improvise on the spot. Um, no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. right? <laughs> and I was, I had also like, I didn't know we were going to be doing this that night of recording. And so I, I did eat a weed gummy like a couple <laughs> hours before, which is totally not something I ever do. <laughs> like very uncharacteristic of me. And so I was just like sitting there at this keyboard. I was playing a Fender Rhodes and I had my headphones on and I couldn't even tell like which keyboard instrument was mine in the mix, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which was like, it was so disorienting and uh-huh. then it came out, it turned out so well. Uh, so that yeah. was just like a special moment. So I'm glad that, you know, that song mm-hmm. and brought it up. Yeah, it's so good. So good. Um, oh, thanks. So uh, you put out, I don't know. Let's, let's talk about this. So you mentioned power pop, right? And you kind of blew up the, the Twitter sphere for a little bit on Friday last week saying Tom Petty is a, uh, power pop musician um <laughs> would, you, would you like to set the record straight for everybody <laughs> yeah sure i'm not a total moron so I, of course i know that tom Petty's not a hundred percent power pop all the time <laughs> he is sometimes <laughs> yeah it's funny i'm not really like a hot take kind of guy mm-hmm. uh and they so i did kind of get into hot water there a little bit I no, I respect the hell out of it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's a I I could totally see it with certain songs of his. For sure. Uh, yeah, for certain sure. specific yeah. songs, and especially yeah. like a lot of the songs that are the hits and the well-known ones, mm-hmm, kind yeah. of do lean power pop. Well, uh, he's he's so good at getting to the to the hook, right? I mean, and that's part yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like a total pro songwriter. Right. Uh, it's pretty yeah. incredible. <laughs> Yeah, he was okay, I guess. <laughs> I'm t- totally kidding. Uh, so people like you use the term power pop, describe your music. Other people do like when you write your songs, were you like, yeah, I'm writing a power pop song or are you like people said that and you're like, yeah, I, I kind of guess it is. Uh, I'd say from the get go, I was always imagining it as power pop. Um, okay. And so I'd, I'd say that I was also like pushing that label for it. I was applying the power pop label to the songs that I was doing. You were um, crafting your own narrative. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I know that like a lot of what second grade has done doesn't fit some people's definition of power pop. Like some of it, people might think it's more just indie pop um, without the power. <laughs> and that's fine. Like I won't argue with any of that. Um, mostly like, the term power pop is just helpful for me mm-hmm. when I sit down to write a song. Cause it, it means I'm going to be focusing on just writing the best pop melody that I can. Yes. 
So I wanted to ask you about that. So I thought that was a really interesting uh, quote or sentiment that you put out there that like you use power pop as a framework to write songs. Does that mean that if you were like, oh, I'm going to write like a post rock song, you would use that as a framework and you feel like you could accomplish that or or like you're just like, hey, this is what I'm interested in. This is what I want to write. Yeah, uh, I mean, it is like I'm doing it because it is the kind of music that I want to write. I don't think I could write a good like post-rock song or if I sure. sat down to specifically write a post-rock post song, I think it would be a disaster <laughs> just because I'm not like, I'm not really knowledgeable enough. Yeah, that's not like what you're the, passionate about. Yeah, well, exactly. And you, you, your brain works a certain way. It, it's part of the DNA. It, you, your brain knows that you love power pop. And so that's the way it thinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Exactly. And specifically like power pop to me is there's a lot of formulas involved. Mm-hmm. And so like, like, um, yeah, like the kind of people that are drawn to power pop do like to categorize things. I feel it's <laughs> like something I've noticed a pattern. Um, just cause like their brains work that way. Categories, formulas, like that mm-hmm. helps them um analyze information whereas some people can be like way more nebulous about it and Mm -hmm. make really cool music without attaching any label to it Mm -hmm. Uh, and that always amazes me uh, especially because my brain like doesn't work that way do you have a song of yours that you feel like yeah fuck yeah i just nailed that like Mm -hmm. that is the formula down to a t like that's my best work Hmm. Or let's say let's go off the new album. Like, what would you say? I don't want to like, you know, say that it has to be something from a past album, but mm-hmm. I've got my thoughts, but I'd, I'd be interested to hear what you think. Obviously you wrote it. I'm just a fan listening to it. <laughs> yeah, I've got, let's see. Um, yeah, there's like a, a small handful where I'm like, yeah, I just did it. I'd say <laughs> on the new album, Teenage Overpopulation. Yeah, was one that I was like really psyched about. Yeah, it's a really good um, one. And older ones, I really like Super Glue off the first album. Mm-hmm. That's like, I think of that as like my love letter to Brian Wilson. And then on Hit to Hit, I'm really fond of uh, Dennis Hopper and Easy Rider. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I, think- I was listening to that one earlier today. Oh, nice. I would say, yeah. like, for for me, not to, like, tell you what I think you did best, right? But I, I somehow I'm going to do it. This is a bad idea, but oh, here we go. I can't wait to hear. Um, I think me and my Blue Angels, like, when that song came out a couple weeks ago, that was, like, the only thing I played, which was obnoxious for everybody else who was around me because it's only a minute <laughs> and a half long. Uh, but that, to me, was, like, so distilled, like, all killer, no filler to a T for me. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much. That's like really good to hear. Um, yeah, that's one that the band really, really likes. Um, I could say that's about them, right? So it's about them. So of course yeah. they like it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Catherine, our guitarist, she told me that that song makes her cry every time we play it. Oh, which was how does like, that make you feel re- hearing that? Well, it it feels really nice and sweet to know that your friend and bandmate is connecting with the music, and it's also like it's kind of a good piece of info to have. Like I'm always curious about 
how people respond to mm-hmm. the music. And so it's like, oh, Catherine's having a really emotional response to that song. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to file that away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, plus, plus, whenever you want to make her cry, you just whip out that song. And so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'm always trying to make Catherine cry like, any chance I yeah. can get. <laughs> now, yeah. I, now, the overall, you know, power pop framework, sound, um, you know, you, you've kind of got that in the back of your mind of how you're approaching it but what what about lyrics how 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 do you go about that because it seems like on some of it and and you know i could be totally off base on that but there there seems to be a bit of a stream of consciousness going on in some of the songs Mm -hmm. Mm, totally yeah especially on this album Mm -hmm. um a lot of the songs a lot of the lyrics are purposely more abstract Mm-hmm. Um, than they have been in the past. And um, yeah, I can't explain why I've been moving that way. It hasn't really been on purpose. Mm-hmm. It's sort of um, just happened by accident, I guess. Um, I think part of it could be that I've come very fully under the spell of Bob Pollard from Guided by Voices. <laughs> um, not a bad person to emulate as long as we're not talking about how hard that guy goes drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't I couldn't keep up on that front. <laughs> a few could. Um a few could. And yeah, I've also like I love Bob Dylan. And during the mm-hmm. pandemic I've like been doing another really deep dive. Nice. With him. Um what uh what's your favorite Bob album? Well, all right, so my favorite has probably these days got to be Highway 61 okay. revisited. Um, but there's the number one spot has had a few different albums over the mm-hmm. years. Like, I think my first favorite was Desire. Um, That's a good one. Yeah. I, I was really into Infidels for a while too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I ride so hard for, and I feel like I'm the only one who does uh, for Planet Waves. Like, I fucking love that album. And I don't oh, feel Planet like Waves, yeah. Many people give it that much love. Uh, but, you know, another time we'll tell you a story about the time we went to Big Pink and uh, we played <laughs> Planet Waves. So then I got like super haunted by Car Hudson that night. But yeah, that's whoa. Yeah. Holy cow, that's cool. It, it wasn't really haunted. I was just fucking wasted and like uh, I was staying. <laughs> well, you in his saw bedroom. you saw ghosts. For sure. Like uh yes. ghosts, air quotes. Yes. Yeah, which I think was probably just the fridge, but I was just like so like, oh my god, this is the worst <laughs> night of my life. <laughs> <laughs> the worst night of your life was it was the best slash worst, right? Exactly, like, it was amazing, yes. but also yes. like, oh my god, well, I can't get out of here. There's nowhere for me to even go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow, that's cool. Yeah, Planet Waves. I love that album. And uh, I was just talking to, uh, do you, are you familiar with MJ Lenderman? Do you know that? Yes, band? yes, 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 yeah. yes. So French also in Wednesday, right? And or he played Thursday? Jake Wednesday. Yeah. They play on Wednesday too. Yeah. yeah. And so friendship last month uh, did a little tour with MJ Lenderman. It was like two weeks with them. And uh, I was talking to Jake and we were talking about Bob Dylan and he confided in me that, He's actually never really spent any time with Bob Dylan, except the album Planet Waves. Uh, the CD <laughs> got stuck in his car like years ago. And so Planet Waves, he's listened front to back yeah. a million times. Yeah, and hasn't man. even touched 
any of the yeah. other stuff. Do you think he's like a faster, slow version of of uh, why am I spacing on the song um, of uh, Forever Young? Forever Young, yeah. I'd say yeah. he's almost certainly fast version. Uh-huh. <laughs> Would be my guess. <laughs> sea Market is haunted. Oh, yeah, I knew it. Oh man, did you look it up? Is it? Did I look look up? You what? looked up. It- uh, big pink no 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 he's saying like that album only leads to haunted things getting stuck in cars <laughs> it's causing oh, you to think true. you're being haunted all yeah. night long true yes. yeah yeah oh man well that's a nice tangent uh yeah <laughs> uh so there uh, this new album there there are some touchstones to things that were popular in the 90s uh, like more so than now like rolling stone obviously you have a song called kramer in la seinfeld reference vh1 and mtv are the 90s cool again uh i think the 90s were never not cool okay oh <laughs> here comes but, the next um, hot take oh lord i'm gonna no, get no, no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding i'm totally kidding they're gonna crucify yes. me for the yeah. 90s <laughs> yeah uh, we're gonna we're gonna blast this out there <laughs> i see a lot of when i'm online and stuff i see a lot of people talking about the 90s different parts of the 90s too um like everyone always knew that pavement was cool and stuff. Um, oh yeah! But it seems like everyone is into like the gin blossoms now. Everyone's talking about like the some grunge um, mm-hmm. renaissance that I'm not fully aware of, but I see people talking <laughs> about it. That hasn't made its way to Philly yet. I guess maybe it has. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think the '90s it it that time has come where the, the cycle has reached the nineties and I'm here for it too. We just yeah. saw pavement two weeks ago and they, oh. you know, they, they played uh gold sounds just for you. They said, this one goes out to Peter. <laughs> that is so sweet of them. Yeah. yeah I, know. I couldn't friends. believe it either. <laughs> I was supposed to see them last, uh, last night. Actually. Yeah, they're here. Yeah. In Philly yesterday. They were in Philly. Yeah. My, they trotted actually, out Kurt Vile. Kurt people. Vile came out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, my aforementioned friend Alex from the radio station, he he got two tickets to see Pavement, and he gave me one of them. But uh, I guess his partner got really like suddenly kind of sick, uh, and needed him to like be there to take care of her and their kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, he sold the tickets. Oh, uh, <laughs> you didn't even get right of first refusal. Uh, no, he was actually really generous and he like, okay. like still, he was like, you can still have the ticket, but I was like, oh, you should just sell them. Like okay. that's so generous of you, but good no, friend. he's, he's a real stand up fellow. Um, uh, but no, so I missed pavement, but I saw them, I saw them when they did the first reunion, like in 2010 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I feel I've like seen it once. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I'll, I won't tell you my thoughts. I don't want to make you upset that you. I'm sure it was. <laughs> it was probably incredible, right? Yeah, they were. Indeed. They were better this go around than they were back then. Yeah. Wow. But it was. It was awesome. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't want to make you jealous. But it was okay. Yeah, they did okay. Um, <laughs> so you you made these songs. You put out the album Easy Listening last week. But you said that you'd had that when it was used the term in the bag, right? Like it'd been finished for like over a year. Are mm-hmm. are you writing music right now? Like how far along are we towards LP four? Uh so there's a lot of songs that are have been written and are ready to go. Um hell yeah. 
And then the question is like all the other stuff that goes into making an album, you know, like lining up schedules, Mm -hmm. um, getting like learning the songs as a band, getting in the studio, vinyl release times Mm -hmm, and stuff. Like, yeah, I don't know when the next one will be, but I'd say there's two albums ready to go. Wow. Damn. You really are (laughs) prolific. Yeah. Yeah. You really are living that Bob Pollard life. Yeah, I guess. I guess I have been. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's to the point though, where I have to like slow down on the songwriting. Cause mm-hmm. if I stockpile like too much, uh, I don't, I still want to like be excited about it right. when it comes yeah. time yeah. to record it. Yeah. So you, I, you, it's easy to lose interest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially as time passes. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm taking a little break from songwriting. Yeah. You've earned it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, right? Yeah. We'll be here in a month. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's so soon. Yeah. yeah. Um, either either that or you need to buy a vinyl pressing plant so you can put out the records <laughs> faster. <laughs> yeah, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. yeah, we know we know a guy. We'll we'll see what yes, we can we do, do for you. <laughs> uh we really do. Um so oh. yeah. Well former f- friend of the pod. Right. And 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 of course Jeff Tweedy just bought a machine from him to Yeah. They went in as partners so they can get the Wilco records pressed. So yeah. Whoa! No way. Yeah, it's yeah. called cool. Smash Plastic Record Pressing. It's here in yes. Chicago. In Chicago. In Chicago. Yeah. The only it... record pressing plant in Chicago, actually. Huh? Is it going to be like solely Wilco stuff now, or is... <laughs> no, they... no, no, no? They. Well, we don't want to tell tales outside of class, <laughs> but like, there's a set amount of records they will press for them, but they still have two other presses they're doing. Yes, well, they have exactly. three presses. Will they be pressing stuff? Yep. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so talking about the studio, I was really interested in this this from the Stephen Hyden interview. And I don't want to keep just like lifting stuff that you talked about with Stephen. Um, but I'm going to one more time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh where you said like people only really listen, you you see from streaming data to like the first song or two or then like singles. So like why spend all this money for a studio for studio time when you can just do it at home? And you can definitely tell that there's this difference. Uh, in, in I don't, I'm going to say fidelity. I don't want to say quality, but fidelity, right? Audio fidelity mm-hmm. with certain songs versus others on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, is there a reason why if you if you think that and you're like, oh, maybe we should be a singles band now, or like, is there? Do you hold the LP to be above all else, and like you you have to be making albums versus uh, singles or EPs? Uh you know, personally, I see the appeal of both. I wouldn't say I'm like an albums or die kind of guy okay um i love singles i don't know how like the music audience listenership responds to albums versus singles um i think like one thing is working with double double whammy our record label Mm -hmm. um they're just like set up to produce and market albums Mm -hmm. like that's just traditionally sure what they've done that's their bread and butter sure it's their bread and butter so um i'm happy to like go along with uh how they're used to doing things Mm -hmm. but one dream that i have um is to do like a a series of singles and then uh to compile them on like a single comp and put that Mm -hmm. out as an album and that's something that uh you know like was done a ton like a long time ago and more recently, uh, Jay Retard did that in like 2008 and 2007 or something. Like both of those years, he put out a 
ton of singles. And then I guess Matador or whatever his record label was, uh, put out like the whole album of the singles. And I mm-hmm. love that. And it's marketed as a collection of singles. Oh, nice. Too. So that has like that throwback appeal to it. Um, I would love to do something like that at some point. That would that would be cool. That that reminds me of or makes me think of was it like during Melancholy when the Smashing Pumpkins put out like a million singles and they put out that like gigantic singles box that I can't remember the name of it right now, but great stuff. Oh, I right miss now. I guess I missed that. It uh, was like is it like similar songs as are on Yeah, it'll be like you know the singles from melancholy and then it's like a bunch of other stuff on on top of that mm. I'll, I'll i'll find it while while we keep talking mm. um Word. but uh so let's talk about the tour you guys are coming you're playing empty bottle on the 15th of november and then you're playing space in evanston which is another really cool uh venue on the 16th with slaughter beach dog how did you guys come together to, to make i mean you're both philly bands uh were you like friends with with jake prior to this and like from the mobo days or like how'd this tour come together yeah so i haven't personally met any of them um but i think we have like a lot of like mutual people that know each other um but the way this came together was i how did how did this come together (laughs) you know i think I didn't hear from them directly. It was either like a booking agent or their label or something reached out to me Cool. Um, with the offer. And I was like, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Like, that sounds awesome. And it seems like they're really nice people. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm just super excited to be playing these shows with them. Yeah. I, I, well, you guys aren't like similar. You're there's like, a through line there that I think both of you guys write some, some excellent tunes. So I'm looking forward to it. And I can say there is a pole that you can lean against at empty bottle. If, if you're as a front man, you get out there into the crowd. So if, <laughs> if the stage fright takes hold again, you'll be okay. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. I, I only play venues that have a, a support. It's in your pillar. rider. Yeah. You're like, I need a rider. pillar to lean against. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I did check today the uh, the empty bottle show was showing as sold out and uh, space was uh, uh, standing room only tickets. So, oh my lord, That's wow! What I'm talking about, yep, holy cow! Well, uh, we will be there and very much looking forward to it. So, oh hell yeah! We're gonna pivot to some Chicago questions, but before I do, the name of that box that I was talking about with Smash Pumpkins is the airplane flies high. <laughs> So if you're fine, you <laughs> I've never heard of that. I'll keep an classic eye out. Billy, classic Billy, classic uh, Billy. So uh, we like to ask people a series of Chicago-based questions now, which you can add as little or as much context to as you so choose. Uh, are you a a deep dish fan or a thin crust pizza fan? Uh, I'm a freak for the deep dish. Wow. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Few and far between with our guests, but I'll take it. Yeah. Do you have a, a, a preferred spot in Chicago for that? Oh, I totally don't. Um, okay. You you guys should tell me where, where I should go. <laughs> I just usually, if I'm at a venue somewhere, I'll mm-hmm. like bring up the maps and just Google like deep dish pizza near me and I'll eat the closest <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, well, you're going to be the the place you're playing has some pretty good pizza at it. So, if empty bottle does pizza so. friendly oh, pizza. 
Yeah, pizza friendly pizza. Okay. Yeah. Pizza so friendly pizza. There. Yeah. We're we're actually having that tomorrow night, so. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. The restaurant's uh, in the venue? It's, it's like a, attached to it. Yeah, like next door. It. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. And their they pizza's may, good, they, so. They may have some backstage for you. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, that's really good to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm hungry now. <laughs> oh, well, you did say you were making dinner when we started, so. It's not we'll, we'll just pizza, though. It's yeah. beets. I'm so beets well, and lentils. Uh-oh. I, I guess that's the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, that could be good too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you played Chicago before. You 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 got friendship was here over the summer mm-hmm. and you guys played at um hideout. Do you yep. have uh, a favorite venue in Chicago? Um yeah, I like the hideout. I've played there I guess a couple times and uh yeah, it's just always felt really welcomed there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good yeah. spot. Good it's people there. Spot. Yeah, we mm-hmm. we we like Katie a lot, uh, who's one of the owners. Oh, nice. Um, so I know you and I have have had some conversations about this previously. When I was like, "Please come on our pod," and you're like, "I like Chicago music." You know, these <laughs> bands. Uh, what when you think of Chicago music, what do you think sets it apart? What makes it unique to you? Hmm. Um. Uh, I think Chicago to me is it has the size and scale of like a New York city type music scene. Mm -hmm. Um, but it has a much different vibe from New York that it feels a little more, um, Oh gosh. What's like, what's the word? It's less like chic or Mm -hmm. cool maybe, which actually makes it cooler. Um, uh yeah i don't know if that is explaining it very well no just like the quantity and quality of stuff coming out of chicago is just mind-blowing to me mm -hmm. um yeah we'll we'll take that uh what are some chicago bands that are are sticking out in your in your mind right now or like what chicago bands have you been enjoying lately well probably my all-time favorite chicago band is advanced bass okay um are you are you guys familiar? I actually am not. Oh, yo, you got to check out Advanced okay. Bass. You might so it's it's Owen Ashworth who you might know his other older project Cassio Tone for the Painfully Alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just one of the greatest songwriters doing it right now. Um, he also runs this record label called Arindle in Chicago. Very cool. Um, that friend, yeah, friendship was on them for a little bit. And oh, nice. Oh, yeah, they were. I think they were at the uh, Smash Plastic event this past weekend. Yeah. I think oh, there yeah. Was, there was a okay, music I fest. S- yeah. Yeah, I saw pictures of they had yeah. a table set up. So yep. yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I love advanced bass. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Dead quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. Um, it's really cool to see like. Hmm kind of how how much success they're having right now um who else comes to mind i'm now i'm like blanking I'm just put you on the spot i'm sorry about that i'm totally on the spot here yep. <laughs> um uh oh my god uh the last one i'll mention is tensi have you listened to tensi yeah mm-hmm. yeah they're they're friends and they're uh they're incredible they um, they played with 
with you guys at at the hideout. At the hideout. Right? The yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they did like a short tour with us and um it was yeah, just like a real joy seeing them every night. Um nice. they're like to me they're emblematic of Chicago music in that like they're it's really hard to describe what they what they're doing. Um it's so unique. Like it it doesn't have a lot of easy reference points to like Mm -hmm. grab onto um but it is still so accessible and compelling um yeah they have a new album coming up that's just going to be like insanely good looking forward to that that's that's awesome yeah they are pretty good i've i've enjoyed what i've heard from them um what outside of chicago bands what have you been listening to lately anything good obviously good but like what what have you been listening to (laughs) well i've been on my right the aforementioned uh bob dylan deep dive Mm -hmm. uh and the last few records that i've been on are have been like his christian albums (laughs) uh so those are pretty weird (laughs) Um, i could see that (laughs) but there's good stuff on there too it's like worth checking out before that i was really i was listening to a lot of van morrison uh particularly like his 80s stuff um what else have i been listening to uh Uh, do you ever have you ever watched the last waltz before yeah 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 Every time I think of Van Morrison, I just think of him doing those kicks. Van the <laughs> man, told, just, just weirding out everybody in the band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny to like imagine the two of the like the band with Van. Yeah, it's a funny combo. You just go over there and do your thing. We'll be over. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, so this is our our favorite question to ask people, which is uh, we're big fans of of cheap drinks on this podcast. Like you give me like a Rolling Rock or you know uh, we'll go to Philadelphia where you are like a Yingling, right? Or like mm-hmm. PBR. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have mm-hmm. a go to uh, favorite cheap drink? It doesn't have to be beer. If you don't drink, it could be a Diet Coke or a water. You know, whatever floats your boat. Yeah. So I'd say if I'm out at a bar in Philly and I'm trying to get my cheap drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always go for a citywide, which anywhere in Philly, you order shot a citywide. And a, and a, a shot of whiskey and a beer, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And typically it's a PBR, which is, okay. I love PBR. Mm-hmm. Narragansett's like my real favorite. Okay. Um, but PBR is really good too. Nice. And yeah, I love a good citywide. Uh, I will also say though, my... A uh, hobby that I got into during COVID has been um, making craft cocktails at home. Okay, and so I've actually been drinking some not cheap stuff, <laughs> <laughs> which Excellent. has been like really fun too. Mm-hmm. So, I- yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, they do a citywide here in Chicago, but it's a shot of Malort. Have you had Malort? uh yeah i think i have yeah <laughs> you, you'd know it if you, you'd be like that terrible thing yeah that's yeah. it yeah mm-hmm. what does it taste like again what's the flavor well, profile uh, like is it medicinal? it's like a worse it's bug like a worse Jaeger. yeah bug spray okay <laughs> yeah no maybe i haven't had the lord then well then uh, when we see you we owe you one yeah. it's, okay it, it's called a chicago a chicago handshake yeah uh, oh okay is it is it like a service industry kind of thing 
a, yeah, a little bit of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, yeah. Usually it's an old style, old style, yeah. and a shot of Malort. Old style? It's yeah. a type of beer, like yeah. a oh, PBR okay. it's like, beer. It, yeah, yes. Nice. So if I order a citywide in Chicago, that's what I'll get that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure they they do it at empty bottle. Um, nice. Wrong, but I'm gonna have to try that. Yeah, that sounds yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the mm-hmm. thing I'll say about Malort is most shots you do them, the taste will dissipate. This one just grows stronger. <laughs> more furious. Like, oh, that's bad. That's yeah. so bad. That's why you have the beer ready. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh. Right. Mm, not a good time. Awesome. Um, well, we have one last question for you on our way out of here. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for taking the mm-hmm. time to sit down and talk with us uh, tonight. Uh, a real pleasure to chat with you. But our last question is, obviously, you have a ton of stuff going on right now. Uh, what would you like to plug? So the new album came out. Easy Listening came out last week. Mm-hmm. Where can we get it? We can find it on Bandcamp, right? Yeah, you can find it on Spotify. On- Where's your preferred place for us to listen to it and or buy it? Uh, let's see. Uh I mean, anywhere that you want to listen to it, that's fine by me. Uh, definitely Bandcamp's an awesome place to check out. Mm-hmm. Um, tomorrow's Bandcamp Friday. Yes, I guess it this is. Won't be, this won't be airing in time, but there, there'll be other Bandcamp Fridays. Exactly, yeah. Um, so Bandcamp's always a great way to to check out the music. Uh, you can also like get records straight from our record label, Double Double Whammy. They have a nice website. Um, and I think the physical copies of the album should start showing up in record stores soon. I'm excited um, for mine to come in the mail. I haven't gotten it yet. You haven't got it yet? No, that's okay. Um, they said it, think, like, it'll be here by X date. I'm not freaking out yet. Oh, word. Yeah, I think I got <laughs> an email like last week saying they had they had just shit. So the, it should be coming for you soon. Okay. Um, uh, I'm really excited to see. I'm excited to see the records. I haven't seen the physical one mm-hmm. yet. So, um, yeah. So like listeners can start checking out record stores too, to see if they're showing up. Hell yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, uh well again, thank you so much for your time. Mm-hmm. We're really looking forward to the show on the 15th of November at empty bottle sold out. So sold out. you have to find some way to get in. Uh, <laughs> tickets here. Wait, or you, you guys have to go up to Evanston. You guys have tickets, right? I do. Okay. Yes. I was yes, going to say, I, good. we can get you in if you need to, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, thanks. Thanks to you for having me. This has mm-hmm. been fun. Um, and thanks for taking the time and yeah, we'll see you. Uh, we're going to see you in Chicago real soon. Yes, sir. So, sounds good. Enjoy dinner. Thanks so much, Peter. Have a good one. Yep. Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. We are no wristbands. We drink for free. Music, of course, has been provided by Merlin Wall. Please check them out on Spotify or on Bandcamp. Please also subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at No Wristbands and check out our website at NoWristbands.com.